Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, May 16th, 2021, in which we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. Let's begin our time together by hearing from Scripture. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The Word of the Lord. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hello, everybody. Those of you who have listened in before may have heard me tell stories of working at a Christian summer camp during my teen years. We ate and studied and prayed together. Year after year, a number of the staff returned, building bonds of friendship with each other. Over 30 years later, I am still in contact with some of the friends that I made in that place. This was one of the first places that I learned about genuinely living as a part of a Christian community. This was a place where deepening relationships, a shared faith, and servant leadership were more than just buzzwords. The whole experience shaped who I am today, and it was one of the things that informed my decision to become a priest. This camp and those days hold a fond place in my heart. Needless to say, I think of those people and those times often. Each summer began with a drive down a dirt road covered with oil to keep the dust down. Eventually, we would turn a bend in the road, and I could glimpse the rustic brown buildings with their red trim and aluminum roofs. The first three buildings that came into sight when driving into camp were the admin building, the tuck shop, and the long dining hall. The biggest of all was the dining hall. 
The dining hall wasn't just a place for sharing food. It was the venue for epic games like Diamond Smugglers and Risk Takers. It was a place to sing, to watch movies, or to have talent nights. The dining hall wasn't just the geographic center of camp, but in many ways, it was the social heart of the place. A couple of years ago, those of us who are on the alumni mailing list received information about a new project. After 70 years of service, the dining hall would be demolished and rebuilt. I must admit that as I read about this project, I felt a little winded. I couldn't imagine the place without the old building that had meant so much to me. The place that housed so many memories would be gone. At first, I couldn't imagine what would be built in its place. And then, I was afraid to try in case my imagination conjured up something that I didn't like. Over time, I came to understand that while this was an end of an era, so to speak, it wasn't the end of the world. There was a vision for something that would better serve young people for decades to come. A leaking roof, a crumbling foundation, and rusting pipes would be replaced with a building that was much more accessible, more energy efficient, and better able to ensure that many others would have the kind of experience that I had. I began to realize that despite my sense of nostalgia, the old building was no longer as useful as it once was, or as it could be in the future. The work of the place would continue even if it looked a little different. It was time for change. The story of that dining hall bears some pretty close parallels to our readings for today. There's a lot of overlap between our readings from the end of Luke's Gospel and the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. This isn't surprising since they were both written by the same person, and our readings for today essentially describe the same event in history. The two readings work together to describe Jesus' last moments on earth. In Luke, we are told that Jesus opened the disciples' minds to understand the scripture and to recognize Jesus' work as the fulfillment of ancient scripture. Jesus reminds his followers that they were witnesses to all that he had done and taught. He alludes to the work of proclamation that lies before them, but for now, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they are equipped for the task. Luke's Gospel concludes by describing Jesus' physical return to heaven. The book of Acts picks up where Luke's Gospel left off and begins with a kind of flashback to Jesus' last moments on earth. The Acts account contains much of the same information. We see Jesus reminding his disciples of all that they had been through together and preparing them for what was yet to come. The language in Acts is a little bit clearer. Fueled by the Spirit of God, Christ's work will eventually be proclaimed in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It paints the image of expanding circles of influence, radiating out from Jerusalem. 
but that expansion was all in the future. It had yet to begin. Luke begins the book of Acts by summarizing what he wrote in the Gospel of Luke. He states that in that first book, he wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven. Many translations render that same text as talking about all that Jesus had begun both to do and to teach. This suggests that while Jesus' work was the beginning, it did not end with him. The work that Jesus began would be continued in his apostles' teaching and ministry, and it continues all the way through the church into the modern era. That's an important transition. It's a new way of doing things. The thing is, this is not the only time that we see significant transitions in Scripture. Each year at Christmas, we celebrate that in the person of Jesus Christ, God took on human form and walked in our midst. With the birth of Jesus Christ, God showed up in person to interact with humanity in a new way. God was no longer communicating with humanity through prophets or even through angels. In the person of Jesus Christ, God did a new thing. God showed up in person, walked and talked with people just like us, and called us by name. There is a sense in which that new thing that was God's incarnation was a temporary thing. The fact that God genuinely took on human flesh and blood also meant that it was for a specific time and place in history. God in physical form was a limited time offer, if you will. After Jesus returned to heaven, his followers would no longer relate to God through a physical person, but through God's Spirit. Today we stop to remember that Jesus empowered people just like you and I to continue his work and teaching. Today we are given a glimpse of that transition from one model to another. As God incarnate, Jesus tasked his closest followers with becoming leaders in the first generation of the Christian church. They would continue his work where he left off. Chief among that work was giving witness to Jesus' work and teaching in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In essence, they were tasked with growing the church by helping people deepen their relationship to God through faith in Jesus Christ and in his teachings. So what's the application for us today? First of all, this text reminds us that while times of transition are inevitable, they can also bring a lot of mixed emotions. Times of transition can be terrifying because they are infused with an element of the unknown. Times of transition can also be exciting because of the opportunities that they offer. The inevitability of change can even offer us some solace because we know that we are neither the first ones nor the last ones to face change. Secondly, this text invites us to consider how we respond to change as people of faith. Are we overwhelmed by the thought of change or do we embrace it? How do we look for ways to express God's compassion to others in times of transition? As a community of faith, how can we adapt to an ever-changing world and offer people a place of safety and sanctuary? 
Today, we are reminded that our baptismal vows include promises to continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ, and to seek and to serve Christ in all people. It's through these vows that we respond to Christ's call to a life of faithful service that transcends the passage of time and the uncertainties of a changing world. Let's pray. Holy God, ascend your promised spirit of revelation and wisdom so that in the blessed freedom of hope, we may give witness to the grace of forgiveness and sing with joy to the one who makes us one. Amen. Amen.